Are you an athlete tired of annoying injuries holding you back from peak performance? Then this podcast is for you. Here we share our expert opinion on hot topics of physical therapy, injury prevention, sports performance, and sometimes other random thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Ells. Welcome to the Charlotte Athlete Podcast. And we are live. All right, guys, we are here interviewing Matt Bruce. I'll have him introduce himself to everybody. Uh, yeah, Matt Bruce, uh, former Olympic lifter, uh, lifted for 17 years under legendary coach Gail Hatch. Uh, I made seven world teams, uh, and I was the alternate on two Olympic teams, 2008 and 2012. Uh, since retiring from the Olympics after 2012, I went on to start a company, Brute Strength, which is in the field of CrossFit. Uh, ended up uh, selling that company and now starting a new company, The Moffitt Method, and also the head strength coach at Catholic High School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, your background is, I mean, 17 years is a long time Olympic lifting. That's super cool. Uh, and that's how I met you. What That was probably around 2010, 2011. I feel like it was a long time ago. Um, it was always great looking up to you and all the, the lifting you were doing. Um, what got you into Olympic lifting? So I went to Catholic High, the school that I teach at now. I came here in the eighth grade. And in the eighth grade, it was a it was a select class. They only selected 20 kids into the eighth grade. And it was pretty hard to get into, the, into that group. Uh, you had to test into it. So needless to say, it was nothing but a bunch of nerds in this, in this 20-man eighth grade class. So within that class, I was in PE one day. And I was always strong. You know, I did gymnastics growing up. And the PE teacher was like, man, you're pretty strong for, for your weight. And especially being a nerdy eighth grader, he's like, would you ever play football? And I was like, I don't know, maybe. And he's like, hey, let me introduce you to the football coach. I met the football coach. He talked to me and he's like, hey, man, you know, I want to send you to this guy, Gail Hatch. He's going to get you stronger so that next year when you're a freshman, you'll be leaps and bounds above everybody. And maybe you can come out for the football team. Uh, so I went over to Coach Hatch's gym, met him. And about six weeks of being at Coach Hatch's gym, uh, he pulled both me and my dad into the into his office and was like, hey, he's like, now you're here to play football? And I was like, yeah. He's like, have you ever played football in your life? I said, no. He said, oh, well, you know what? You're not a football player. You're a weightlifter. And so he said, go to school tomorrow and tell the football coach you're not going to play football for him and you're going to be a weightlifter under me. And I said, yes, sir. And so I went to the football coach and I said, hey, Coach Hatch said that he wants me to be a weightlifter, not a football player. And that football coach knew exactly what that meant. Uh, because at this point, Coach Hatch has made, had a reputation of, of building lifters that he would identify at the age of 12 years old. And he knew that he identified me. And, you know, he was just happy for me to, to be identified by Coach Hatch. And then at that point, you know, eighth grade all the way until almost 30 years old, uh, I was a competitive lifter uh, at a very high level. That's that's awesome, man. Uh, what was it like, you know, in eighth grade, knowing that, like, what you were striving for, that competitive level that you're aiming for? What was that like? Oh, well, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know why I was going to the gym. I just knew I liked it, and I made some friends there. Uh, I didn't realize like, Coach Hatch knew my potential, but I didn't know my potential. I was just going to the gym every day because I enjoyed it. And this guy, you know, kind of opened me into that into that gym. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't know. It was more of a game. It was more of a, a, just a fun experience for me. It wasn't until probably two years into it. By the time, once I was a sophomore, I made my first international team. And I think that's the point when I was like, Oh, well, you know, like I might be pretty good at this. 
But Coach Hatch always did a really good job of keeping us humble. Uh, because meanwhile, I'm a sophomore making my first international team. Two platforms away from me was Blair Lebrano, Buster Bourgeois, these like freakazoids that were national champions making the world team. So like, I I couldn't be proud of making an international team to go to Canada when these guys are traveling to Indonesia and Bulgaria representing Team USA at, at the World Championships. So it always kept me thriving for more and never feeling like I was good enough. And Coach Ash just did a really good job of keeping the competition within the gym very high so that, you know, we didn't really worry too much about what we were doing outside of the gym. The, the rule of the gym was essentially – if you could be a hatch leader, which was number one on his board, that essentially equivalent was the equivalent to a national champion. So the gym was so competitive and had so many great athletes in it that if you were the best guy in your weight class at that gym, within the Gale Hatch gym, you most likely were a national champion, which is crazy to wow. think. That's um, super crazy. Right. So he had – Coach Hatch had the, the most winningest record during uh, – you know, from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, he won 54 national championships as a team uh, during his time as a coach. So that, you know, between seniors, juniors, and masters weightlifting, he won 54 national championships as a team. So, uh, you know, I was just blessed and fortunate to be part of that that unique team and environment while it, when it was at its peak, during, when it was thriving. That was that's wild. That's so <laughs> so much success. I bet that competitive attitude, like coming into the gym every day, which is electric, huh? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like like I said, I made my first junior world team. So the way the, the 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 gym was set up was you had platform one and you had platform one A. The top dog was on platform one. Then the second top dog was on platform one A, and then you had platform two, three, four. So I remember making the junior world team, which would in most people's eyes would be like a you know, a huge career accomplishment. I'm on the junior world team and I'm still on platform three. And so like even making the junior worlds, I was like, I still suck. Like I'm not even on platform two or one a yet. Like I need to get to, to those platforms. So uh, just the way he set up the environment and just the competitive atmosphere of the gym is really what helped that team thrive and continue to thrive uh, because it was just a, a bunch of, animals and they're just all going after each other and trying to make each other better that's awesome that's like the stuff that really makes champions too yeah just like having that sure. uh you know iron sharpens iron type stuff um and then like for your consistency because i remember like i talked to you that was a long time ago but it's like seared in my memory of you having the same you know breakfast every morning for like eight years straight like that kind of consistency what was that like um i'm a creature of habit and eating and nutrition was as much part of my training as my training was. So I didn't eat for pleasure. I, I Eating was part of my training. So therefore, if, if I could regimen it in a way to where I didn't have to think about it and I knew exactly what I needed to get that part of my training in, uh, that's what I did. So you're right. Uh, and still to this day, I'm, I'm still like that. I still eat the same thing every morning. Um, you know, I, would pack, I still package my own meals. And it's, it's more out of habit than anything. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I didn't, I didn't take protein supplements because they tasted good. Like kids, kids here at the school, they're like, oh, you know, I, I quit taking protein because I didn't like the taste of it. I'm like, taste of it? You don't eat it for the taste. Like you eat it 
so you can be a better athlete. So like, so yeah, like I said, eating and nutrition was never pleasurable for me. It was just part of my training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's how I've definitely felt like the last, I guess, 15 years ago when I started protein powder did not taste good. If anything, it was more of a disruptive in my day than anything else. I'm not, now they have all the like designer stuff, everything tastes great and it makes it like a lot easier, especially on the digestive system. So I feel like they, uh, you know, in a much better place for that, that side of things. Um, cause I'm the same way. I do the same thing every single day. It's easy. It's peace of mind as like with training and everything else. So with that mindset of like, how did you, cause I know a lot of people can't eat for just the pure performance aspect. Like, was it something that just came naturally to you or is it more of like a, your just desire to win was so high? Like, what, what would that be the, the background there? Um, yeah, I would say that I knew what I needed. I knew how much protein I needed. And at that point, what was the easiest way to get that protein into me? Uh, and then that drove me to, to, you know, eating the same breakfast every day because in my mind, I knew I had to have so many grams of protein in the morning and then so many grams of protein so many hours after that. And so in my mind, instead of having to think about it every day and weigh food or whatever it may be, I knew that these six eggs every morning was going to get me through what I needed. I didn't have to worry about anything else. It's just one less thing to worry about. So I would just, you know, have my six eggs every morning and then, you know, I would bring another six eggs to work with me uh, and I would eat that about two or three hours later. And it was just the ease of it uh, instead of having to figure out, you know, oh, how much is in this chicken biscuit, you know, protein like required too much yeah, thought exactly so, simplicity is key there if i knew how much was in it yeah right for awesome sure. so we talked about the beginning and like how you got into it uh how did your career go and like where do you feel about like how do you feel about that um like i said before people measure your accomplishments based off of you know uh your accolades right how many world teams did you make or olympic teams or records that you set national championships uh but when i look back at my career that's not what i remember like that's what I talk about because that's what people want to hear. But really the process is what I remember. Uh, and I always remembered having more fun in the gym and being with my, my teammates and, and joking around and lifting and training that competition was just part of it. And it didn't really excite me. Like I never got truly excited to go compete. It was just part of the process. Uh, but looking back, my fondest memories were the days grinding in the gym with my buddies, you know, three, four hours a day, uh, putting in the work. And, you know, as long as we did that, the, the competition was easy. The competition, we just had to show up and the work was done. Uh, so what I cherished most was those long hours in the gym with Coach Hatch, uh, with my teammates and just grinding. And then the competition was just just part of it, uh, you just had to basically show up because your body was ready to do what, what it was trained to do. Um, yeah, that's like the best part. I think that the journey is uh, something that a lot of people overlook rather than the destination very frequently. And that's a like, really cool point and how you see that. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, so after retiring, you said you retired at 29, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's my first, my first meet was at 29. So that's oh, wow. when I started my, <laughs> it went well, by the way. Um, I, you know, qualify for nationals. I'll take that. Um, maybe I do it. I'm not sure. Uh, so brute strength, how did that come up? And, uh, tell me all about that. Yeah. So I retired from lifting after the 2012 Olympics. And at that point I had a void in my life. 
my every day for 17 years at 3 p.m. I went to the gym. I went to the gym from 3 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. every day, and that's all I knew. So when I retired, there was like just this void of like, what am I going to do with myself? So of course, the natural progression is you're going to be a coach. You're going to be just like Coach Hatch, right? So I ended up going to Coach Hatch's gym every day at still 3 p.m., going there and helping him coach. And then about two weeks into it, Coach Hatch pulled me aside and he's like, hey, man, what are you doing here? I was like, what do you mean, Coach? He's like, you're retired. I was like, I know. He's like, I was like, I want to be a coach. I want to be just like you. And then, well, and then Coach Hatch was like, well, it seems like you're just kind of waiting for me to die or, or retire. And I was like, no, no, it's not that. And realistically, it was. I, in my mind, I was like, I'm just going to take over when Coach Hatch rolls over or whatever and gives it up. And then Coach Hatch said, look, he's like, I've taught you everything you need to know. You're not going to get any more experience being here with me. He's like, this is your last day at this gym. If you want to be a coach, go out there and make it. And I said, shit. All right. So my, my own coach kicked me out the gym after 17 years and basically said, go be a coach, make it. So in my mind, I was like, so CrossFit kind of was, was getting pretty popular. And I was like, you know what? CrossFit gyms have weights and they might allow me because I didn't have any money. I couldn't start a, a gym or a, a barbell club. So like maybe a CrossFit gym will let me go in there and, uh, and, and start a weightlifting program. And sure enough, the one right down the street from my house, Red Stick CrossFit, the owner Andrew was like, yeah, man, we'd love to have you. Are you kidding me? You know, you can help coach over here. So I started a barbell club there, and I really got interested in CrossFit. Uh, it really intrigued me. And I was talking to the owner there, and I was like, man, I really want to get more involved in CrossFit. It seems like a great industry. And he's like, well, hey, they have a weightlifting certification through CrossFit. It's run by a guy named Mike Bergner. And I was like, oh, I know Coach Bergner uh, because Coach Bergner's son uh, used to compete with me. We made a bunch of world teams together. And he's like, man, you should hit up Coach Bergner, see if he can get you on staff. And uh, sure enough, I hit up Coach Bergner and said, hey, man, if you ever need any help teaching me seminars, uh, lo and behold, I got on seminar staff and I started traveling the world. I was actually on the, the South American crew where we would go to Central South America once a week or so and go teach the seminar down there. And then that's how I really got into the, the industry of CrossFit, knowing that they needed specific help on uh, the different modalities, right? Because if, if you look at CrossFit, CrossFit is part endurance, part weightlifting or strength, uh, part gymnastics. And they were, they were in need of expert weightlifting coaching because they didn't know what they were doing. So what I came up with, I was like, you know what? If we could, if we could provide this expert coaching uh, remotely, it could be a great opportunity for us to share knowledge with people all around the world. So I got together with my business partner, Michael Cashew, won the CrossFit Games on a team two years in a row. Uh, I had a buddy who was a great gymnastics coach. Uh, he came on board and helping us with gymnastics. We brought on Chris Henshaw as an endurance coach. Uh, we brought on uh, a doctor, a physical therapist. And as a team, we created a company, uh, Brute Shrimp, where we uh, developed and trained CrossFit athletes all around the world remotely. Uh, so I did that. All of that, that company started in 2013, and I did that all the way up until this year, uh, 2023. So 10 years, uh, we ran that successful company, and the company is still going and, and super successful. Uh, we just uh, had five athletes qualify for the CrossFit Games this past weekend, uh, and they're still loading and going. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah, because I've seen you work with a bunch of different athletes coming through Red Stick at the time, too. 
Uh, there was the, what's the guy's name? The Olympian discus thrower. Cause I was in track at the time. Remember him coming through, yep. um, a few different CrossFit athletes as well coming, you know, getting it right from the source. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I've been fortunate because coach Hatch wore many hats. Coach Hatch was a, uh, Olympic weightlifting coach, but he was also a strength coach. So while I was banging weights with all these other Olympic weightlifters, Right next to me on the platform is Warwick Dunn, who's a, you know, Hall of Fame running back in the NFL. Uh, we had, uh, Big Baby Davis and Tyrus Thomas basketball players playing in the NBA that were literally right next to you. Uh, so the beauty of Olympic weightlifting is that it's so transferable to other sports that it, it's almost like, um, you almost become brothers through iron with all these people. Right. And so, like you said, you know, at red stick, when I started my quote unquote Olympic weightlifting gym, it was really a strength and conditioning gym also where I was training NFL guys and, and discus throwers and people, you know, in all different modalities, because the beauty, like I said, of Olympic weightlifting is that it can create, it, it creates explosive strength as transferable to many sports, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, track and field, uh, and whatnot. Yeah, I would I would say that the Olympics is what got me to doing what I did in college because I did uh, track and field in college, throwing things and high jumping and stuff. And honestly, all of that came from just the clean snatch. I didn't do much of the jerk. That's why I need to work on it now. But uh, those things got me so much more explosive, and that's what helped me like just open up doors that I didn't have previously. So I, I owe it all to that kind of stuff, which I got started with uh, with you guys. Um, that's awesome. And uh, let's see. So then. Starting the new company this year. So we're like, yeah, what are you doing now? Where are you currently at? Yeah, so um, I'm essentially taking a similar model that we did with Brute Strength. And I, I teamed up with a guy named Tommy Moffitt. Coach Moffitt is arguably one of the greatest strength coaches uh, to ever walk this planet. He is the only strength coach to win three national championships, BCS national championships under three different coaches. Uh, which, which, and three very different coaches. One was Nick Saban, one was Les Miles, one was Ed Ogeron. Uh, so he retired from, from coaching at LSU. And we started a company called the Moffitt Method, which is essentially online strength and conditioning for high schools and small colleges. Here's the thing. 98% of high schools in the United States do not have a dedicated strength coach. It's the offensive coordinator that's also, quote-unquote, the strength coach, right? Uh, he does it because he has to. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He prints something that he sees off online and, you know, gives it to the kids, right? Uh, the school doesn't have the budget to hire a full-time strength coach. They can't pay $70,000 for a full-time guy to come in. So, therefore, we, we fill that void. We, we, we come in as a remote strength coach for that school. We do all the programming. We deliver it through an app. Uh, every kid has a login, uh, and we work directly with that coaching staff as essentially an employee, but a remote coach. So that way, instead of paying, you know, $70,000 a year, they're paying maybe $4,000 a year for us to do all that back-end work. And still that offensive coordinator is going in the weight room with the kids, but he doesn't have to worry about building up a program, checking on their maxes, uh, all that stuff. He just shows up and coaches them in the weight room, and then we take care of the rest of it. Nice, man. That's awesome. I, re I really like that because I definitely agree. I think those things, especially with strength and conditioning, it's a, it's an art, and uh, like having somebody, and especially you guys, in the background is amazing. Uh, what makes you guys different from like your strength program? What kind of big, like themes and tools you guys use? Um, 
I would say one big difference that we pride ourselves on is we anybody that comes on our program. So one of the hardest things to teach, as you know, is the snatch and the clean and the jerk, right? Um, and you walk into most weight rooms and you see the kids cleaning and it makes you want to cringe. It's, it's really, really, really tough to watch. Uh, so we pride ourselves because anybody that comes on board with us, the, the first thing that those athletes go through is what we call our GPP period, uh, general physical preparedness. And what that is, is we bring, the, we have a, a certain method that we do that the kids lift super, super light weights for about four to six weeks. And because they're lifting such light weights for so many repetitions that it, it, it helps their technique become so much better because the biggest issue is a strength coach knows that their kids need to be doing power cleans, right? So what they do is they automatically start loading them up way too heavy on power cleans and they never do fix their, their form, right? I remember starting with Coach Hatch, I was on a, on a PVC pipe for probably three months with Coach Hatch. <laughs> yeah, sounds very And good. everybody was. That's just how it, it was. And, like, and I think that's the biggest difference in strength coaches is that they, they don't think that the kids need that, right? Yeah, skill uh, development so, part, yeah. So, yeah, so we, we have a, a huge portion, like I said, whenever somebody immediately joins with us, they go through this GPP period where we – essentially focus on technique and lots of repetitions. So for example, on Monday, they would do uh, a bunch of Jabor complexes around the snatch. And in the end, they'll end up doing about 500 reps on, on some kind of snatch exercise on Monday. And if you do 500 reps for, let's say, four weeks, that's 2,000 reps they're going to get on something related to a snatch on Mondays. Then Wednesdays, we're doing Jabor complexes around the clean. And again, they're doing about 500 reps on around the clean. And now when I say these reps, they're very light. You know, it could be with a PVC pipe, uh, a 5, 10-pound, 15-pound bar, or a 45-pound bar. It's not heavy, but it's just constantly drilling in that technique, right? Fridays, then we do we work around the jerk and the squat. They'll end up doing about 700 reps around squatting and jerking. And like with anything, I think Einstein say, you don't get skilled at something until you do it 10,000 times, right? And so I, I would say that's one of the big differentiators that we have is that we, we understand that process and we understand that it takes time to develop uh, this technique in the weight room. And we look towards the, the long play with a school, right? Uh, and truly develop them the right way from the beginning instead of rushing them to try to get them to clean 300 pounds as fast as possible. Yeah, that is super, super invaluable. Because I remember when my, my dad got me started, uh, I think it was seventh grade, it was like just reps of the bar. If No, PVC was probably what it was. We had a dowel at home, and I would do that so much. And honestly, that I mean, set me up for success because like a lot of times I could get through, now I know, I do the power side of things more often than the full catches and stuff, and I you know learned those. But um, that got me through like all of high school and college, where I actually could push the weights a little bit more. A lot of my friends were you know trying to catch up and learn it, but the skill side of things were it was so much harder for them. So they get hurt, or they have the, all these like you know road bumps or uh, you know whatever getting out of the, in the way, so they couldn't push the weight like they wanted to. Right. But that is just yeah, that's very helpful, especially in the side of like the high school area. Because I mean, if you're going to be a college athlete, like 
take away the thought process of having to learn anything when you're there. Just be there to like train hard. And that's one of the things Switch Mafia kept seeing. These kids would come into LSU from different high schools and their technique was horrible. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, he's got elite level athletes, so they're still cleaning 300 pounds, yeah. but they're three, cleaning 300 pounds and it looks disgusting and <laughs> yeah. looks like they're going to hurt themselves. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, it, it, it really opened his eyes to being able to help out these schools early on so that you can train these kids the right way because if you train them the right way, you know, that 300 pound cleaner might still be doing 300 pounds as a senior, but by the time he's a sophomore in college, he's doing 350, 400, while the other guy is going to stay at 300 pounds because he has poor technique and he never really truly develops himself into the potential that he could have. Yeah. And that's, that's the skill department, like truly just devoting your time to learning how to do it well. So it's nice and efficient. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Um, Sweet. So, okay, I have to ask, what do you think the most important factor is? I mean, after talking about, you know, consistency and skill development, what is the most important factor in getting strong, do you think? Um, consistency. I hate to just repeat what, what you just said. Know, it's a tough one, though. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you, you realize that nothing comes quickly. And cherish the small gains and try to get some kind of small uh, victory every day. Um so even while 17 year career, like the last five or six years of my career, my snatch and clean and jerk maybe went up two or three or five pounds every year, which is pretty minimal, right? Um, and with that, like you have to find, like I said, little victories, right? So like I would, Coach Ash would create new exercises for me so I can get a, a brand new quote unquote PR, right? Um, so, yeah, I would say consistency and find ways to to find small victories in whatever you're doing, uh, whether it be, you know, hitting a small PR in the gym or, uh, you know, staying an extra 10 minutes to do some extra cardio or whatever you, the sport demands of you. Uh, try to find small victories, but most importantly, just be consistent and fall in love with the process. Don't do it because of you're trying to reach certain numbers. Do it because you enjoy it. And if you enjoy it, then the results will come no matter what. But if you're not enjoying it and you're only worried about getting to a 315 clean or whatever your goal is, uh, you're not going to be happy and, and uh, you're going to you're going to drain yourself. Uh, but yeah, uh, that, that, that's what I would say. Consistency and celebrate the, the small victories. And, um, and I think that's the most important part of training. Yeah, I, I talk to a lot of people very, I, I stress the fact, because I'll get some people coming in here, you know, having injuries and pain and stuff like that. And like finding things that they may not enjoy <laughs> too much that helps them. Um, but just finding like, yeah, small victories and find, making it interesting. Like if it's making up a new exercises, uh, what kind of things would you make up for you? Like what's an example of, some oh things. man, uh, he'd always name them after himself. So we had like <laughs> HFPs, which is hatch snatch press, which is basically like a SOTS press. Okay, yeah. Uh, we would do uh, walking lockouts where you'd have to jerk a weight and he'd make you walk back and forth on the platform with the weight over your head. Uh, He's such a character. Yeah, he, would he would come up with some things. He would make a, so like for a while, my 
my right arm was struggling locking out on snatches and clean and jerks. So for about a whole year, I had to clean and jerk and snatch with five to 10 pounds more on that side of the bar. <laughs> because he said that he said that that side was weak. So he had to make it stronger. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, he would just come up with shit, man. Uh, you know, uh, it'd be, yeah. I, one day I sat down and wrote everything we've ever done, every exercise I can think of. And it was over 120 exercises that I had. Uh, that he had that we have done at, at some point in my career that's amazing for especially for a sport that's the clean and jerk and snatch that's all right yeah <laughs> that's insane that's all you need. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly well i appreciate it man it's been a great great chat um i hope you have a good rest of the day and hopefully we can get you back on here we can dive into those 120 different exercises <laughs> all right i appreciate you man of course